welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters who've been doing this for way too long talk about all the things we do to try to be the best dungeon masters we can be and put on the best games we can put on. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. I'm so tired, I haven't slept a wink. I'm so tired, my mind is on the blink. It's really not, but it's going to fit, so it's day five. Dave's <laughs> Christmas album will be available on our store for $19.99. We should uh, absolutely do One that. day. One day we're going to do a karaoke with DM Dave. We'll do it at like Gen Con. We'll, we'll do we'll, we'll do Dave sings the Dave sings the crits. It'll be all spoof songs. I think he's doing Dragon Magazine. You ever oh, seen those yeah. Bards on the Run? They do things <laughs> like uh, I Am of Rock. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes, I will sing all of those for the is, right price. For the it, right price. <laughs> and the right price will be your soul. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. That's, that's a proper talking guys. Jesus, that's, that's proper DM enough. <laughs> So, and that is a good segue, though, to talk about, you know, because it's, it's kind of other things you do around gaming. Uh, but today we're going to talk about DM burnout. You know, frankly, all of us at one point or another, I don't know about Dave, Dave's kind of, Dave, Dave's, Dave's heavy DMing Dave's, days have just sort of started. But, you know, we all get tired and burned out of DMing sometimes. And it's perfectly natural. You know, you say, if you're if you're finding yourself dragging yourself to the table, don't feel bad. It happens, happens to every DM at some point where you just, you know, it just gets hard to pull pull a game together. You're not getting back what you thought you were getting back from it. And, you know, you maybe need to take some steps to try to solve it. So today we're going to talk about DM burnout, uh, you know, how we experience it, where it comes from, what maybe causes it, how we try to prevent it. And when we have it, you know, what do we do to try to, to try to get over it and get back on the swing of things? Because God knows you don't want to end your campaign just because you've had a couple, you know, a, a couple a couple sessions where you weren't quite feeling it. You, know, you are the most important player because if you're not playing, no one can play. So let's talk about how we manage that a little bit. So, guys, what do you think? What Have you had DM burnout? Oh, absolutely. I think anybody who's really uh, been at the table for a while has experienced it. Uh, there's a lot of causes that can, uh, you know, get this rolling, unfortunately. For me, one of them is not having an opportunity to be a player very often. I was kind of like the steady quarterback of the group. Yeah. So they're like, hey, so Tony's running a game. Hey, you were a forever fun. DM. Absolutely, you were a forever DM. So um, that, that's, that, that can be, you're like, hey, I kind of like, I found myself, you know, you've noted that I've always had an NPC in every game. And one of the reasons why I've gotten into that habit is because I was always the DM. So there was no way. I'm like, but I want a guy too. What if, God forbid, now hear me out. What if one of y'all were to ever run a game and then I could play this character like I was always in the party? It would be so amazing. <laughs> so when you get burnout, what does it look like? Like, what do you feel? What does it start? What starts happening to you? You feel uninspired. Hmm. Like your inspiration is at zero, like it's flat lines. You're like, okay, so, all right, today's uh, adventure. <clears throat> you walk into a 10 by 10 room in a dungeon. There's an orc guarding a chest and there's a pie inside. Like that, <laughs> like you just, <laughs> and you're like, that's what I got, guys. You, you take it or leave it. What about you, Dave? You, uh, you ever had a uh, DM burnout? 
I have absolutely, yeah. Even with my uh, my more newbie status in our group, uh, I definitely have. I've definitely been at times where I wasn't feeling um, maybe that campaign as much. Maybe it was that uh, like the, that that uh, the one that that started me off that Pathfinder campaign. I was running it for a year and a half, a little over, and like. There was nothing else I wanted to play. Like Tony was saying, I wanted to play too. And I wasn't ever getting a chance because that was pretty much the only group and I was running it. So, uh, so yeah, but, um, and then just sometimes with certain games, I'll just hit a point where you just feel a little burnt out. Uh, And I think that goes for anything you do though. I think burnout is uh, not just DM burnout, but just burnout of anything you do. If, um, if, uh, if you're not if you're not careful, if you're not, you know, doing the things uh, necessary to take care of it, you know, because I even see it with my my work, you know, in therapy and music and all of the things I've ever done. You know, there's always that chance for burnout, you know, where you're just you don't feel like doing it anymore, you know. And what does it look like to you? Are there any like any things that you tend to kind of find happening to yourself or any clues that you have that, you know, I'm burning out? Yeah, if I'm just really not feeling like uh, I'm not jazzed for the session um, and then when the session because this will happen a lot of times, I'm sure it does for most people, you'll have that big excitement leading up like the week of and you're like, oh, and then the day you wake up that morning, uh, you know, you're going to be gaming that night, you wake up that morning, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I got to run that game tonight. And then you have this weird limbo zone there. But then once I uh, usually, you know, it's it's kind of like music. Once that four count hits, I'm in it, right? Once the game yeah. has started, you know, uh, Matt Colville always says, you know, uh, it's that point between having a bunch of people around a table to playing D&D. He says it's still one of the hardest things for him to, to make that transition, you know? Um, but yeah, like that four count and then I'm in it. But sometimes even when I'm in the session, I'm just like, no, this is just, I'm not in it. It's just not here. Um, you know, thankfully it hasn't, uh, it hasn't lasted, um, too long with any, any, uh, game that I've had. So hopefully it doesn't have to, (laughs) who knows? You know, I I certainly have, uh, experienced burnout myself on really a lot of occasions. And what it feels like to me is, is a lot like what you guys just said. And one of the big things is, you know, D and D, I find D&D is sort of a self-feeding system. You know, you wind up having the sessions, but then you spend your time between the sessions, kind of when you're the DM at least, thinking about, well, what could we do next week? What could be around here? What's interesting things are here? What monsters do I want to play with? Because there is that aspect of, we've talked about, you know, Dave's mentioned lonely fun. You know, where you're kind of, when you're having fun reading through the books and figuring out, okay, yeah, like I could, I want to use this thing. I want to use that thing. That looks really neat. Just browsing the monster manual or browsing a setting or brainstorming your own setting. But it's those things that lead into the game. It's sort of a system of fun. Right. It's okay. The game's fun, but it's not just that the game is fun day of. It's that the prep and the getting ready for it in that mental creativity, that that act of creation leading up to it is fun. Uh And that energy carries through. And even though I'm more of an improv DM, I even when I'm improving, I'm like, okay, well, like, yeah, what I want the guys to fight this week. Like, what's going to be around here? I know where they are. What are they going to run into? 
and I'll have fun brainstorming sessions or fun research sessions that lead me to, 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 to sketching out the kinds of things they could run into. And then we sit down for the game and, it, and it's a go. And we've talked about like in the games Tony's been in with me, uh, some of the like the, the some of the heel turns that I've kind of had coming where I know, OK, I know they're committed. They're coming to this town. They're looking to do this thing. Well, what happens here? Ha ha. This is when Palpatine says, are you threatening me? And turns into a giant monster. Yeah, this is when that's <laughs> going to happen. And those things are exciting and you're looking forward to them. And when I'm burnt out, all that system stops, you know, because I no longer, I, I start looking for other things to do for fun between sessions. Like, I don't really want to pick up the books. I don't really want to think about the world. I just want to do other stuff. And then I wind up running into sessions where I'm used to improving, but even my improv prep, will be low. It'll just be like, man, I just got to get in there. I don't feel bad about the session, but I'm like, what are they going to do? Uh, I don't know. We'll throw some monsters out there. We'll see what happens. You know, yeah. and that turns into not fun games necessarily for the players because they can tell when all you're doing is running monsters out them for an evening. And that's really what a, a burnout session I find often becomes because it's easy to pull in monsters. It's hard to creatively develop world around the monsters. And when I'm feeling burnout, that is what you start losing. One of the things that helps me in the burned out moment when you're experiencing it, as we've described, is I like to focus on what I like as a DM, like what is my favorite part of building the adventure. For me, one of them is treasure placement. I don't know why I enjoy my treasure placement. I would say as much or maybe I would even go as far maybe tied with that is what is my session villain doing? Yeah. Those are my two things. And if I can get those things really nailed, that's my foundation. And I start building up from that. And then it gets fun. Then it's kind of like, why well, didn't feel like going to the gym? Now I'm a couple of sets in and I'm feeling it and I'm glad I'm here and I'm making it happen. That's a good point, Tone, because that's a, that's always what you'll always read in all, uh, you know, any fitness mag you, you pick up or whatever is that, you know, people, the hardest part is getting started, right? Especially mm -hmm. like working out and stuff. So they always say, Go start working out. If you still feel like you don't want to after 10 minutes, go home, right? No big deal. But what's going to happen is you're going to start and you're like, all right, well, I'm here. I'm warmed up. All right, let's do this. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, Tony, I think similar uh, to what you're saying. And like I said earlier, it's that feeling where I might not be into it that day. I might feel just kind of like, all right, we got to do this. But then once it hits and I'm in that flow, that can turn around. Um, and then all of a sudden that can really turn into an awesome session. Yeah, so to make it, we're talking really about like what you do about it when, once you start realizing you have it. It is for me. Have you ever had a session go bad because you were burned no. out? Oh, I certainly no. have. Like, I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'll get there and I'll get into it. I've had times. I mean, I've done a lot of DMing. I've had times where I was DMing three or four camp, three or four campaigns, you know, back to back. And there's sometimes where it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go in and wing it because I've done that a, a thousand times before. It always works well. And I go in and wing it, and it doesn't produce a good session. You know, it's like, and I will say, what a bad session looks like when this is happening, like I mentioned a minute ago, is I kind of wind up setting it up more, I lean into the minis combat tactical aspect of the game, and I wind up basically setting up a bunch of tactical challenges on the fly. And them just focusing on the tactics of what the monsters are doing, what the players are doing. And that, not all players enjoy. And it doesn't always give you the same kind of energy you want out of a session. Maybe a session doesn't feel like it moves the football. That, that's very true. Um, honestly, if I'm coming back to uh, what we talk, like my issue with always being the forever DM is see who is in your group that has an aptitude and or an interest to run a game. Let them run a one shot. 
even if it's just a one-on-one session, I've done this. Like DMs who have been playing for years now, I'm like, okay, here it is. Here's your dry run. I'm your player. Let's go. Take me on an adventure. Give me a beginning. Give me an end. Let's just see what happens and see if they understand, uh, you know, how, how the flow works. Because just like with exercise, yeah, if you're working out seven days a week, your your workout by Saturday's garbage. Like you can barely move. You're exhausted. In this case, your creativity, it's it's tapped. I mean, in some cases, if you're really being truly inspired, you know, by your players, you could feed off it. That's fantastic. But, you know, if you're in this state, that's not how you got there. I'm pretty sure I heard Hans and Franz call Tony a girly monster. Would <laughs> not be willing to work out seven you, uh... days a week. <laughs> All those Austrian guys. So, Dave, what does it look like when when the, when you're burnout and the session starts going bad? What does it look like? Uh, well, that's funny because because these days, uh, since since Bonnie is in uh, pretty much every every game that I I'm running, no, every game that I'm running um, at this point. Um, I will toss back to her after the session. I'll be like, so what did you, what did you think there? You know, was that first I'll say, was it fun? Did you have fun? You know, and then I'll say, did this work? Did this seem like this? And I'll kind of get uh, a read from her. Um, and she's generally as, you know, as honest as she's going to be, I think. I think sometimes she might spare it <laughs> a little bit. But I always want to see because I have that's one of the things I noticed, because I will tell you during the Slavers Bay uh, campaign. Um, we had ended, uh, because of COVID right about level, I had just taken you up to level five. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was loving the world that we were creating and the adventure and stuff, but I was very much getting to a point where I was feeling, um, like I wasn't providing enough. Uh, and we kind of talked about this in terms of, uh, you know, who's fun, who's responsible for the fun and blah, 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 all that. But I, for me, I bring a lot to the table saying I want to I want to bring a, a good a good thing, you know, like that's yeah. for me. That's that's being a successful DM for me. So and I just wasn't feeling like there was enough of a challenge or some of the sessions might have marshmallowed out into, you know, it, it, they kind of didn't go. They didn't have a full objective. Uh, there wasn't enough of, of all of the, the, the different aspects of it. Um, and I was kind of feeling that way. And, you know, we broke from COVID and we started the Strahd game. And then we started, I was playing Tony's game. I'm playing at Woodstock. I'm playing in the Marvel game. I'm playing this, right? Um, and I very quickly started to realize that the way I was reading it, that might have been having me feel like I was burning out from it in a way, um, wasn't the way it actually was for the table necessarily. I was reading it a certain way. The table was reading it however the hell they want they were reading it, you know? Um, because when I'll like these days I'll ask Bond, hey, how did that session go? Did this oh yeah, this no, definitely that was great. This this was great. I love that you did that, blah, whatever it might be. And I would go, oh, okay. And now seeing from the player side with with you guys, I I get that 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 uh seeing it from that side, that psychology that we talk about, the psychology of D&D. And for me, that comes down to uh, burnout of all kinds is when you are tied to the outcome. Um, when you have an idea as to what it should be or what it should look like or how it should end, and it doesn't, you do that enough times and that will turn into burnout. That'll be burnout whether you're a nurse, that'll be burnout whether you're a musician, that'll be burnout whether you're a, a doctor or a whatever, a salesman or a DM, um, if you are 
if you're tied to it turning out a certain way, uh, that will start to burn you out because you're putting too much into it, trying to drive an engine that's not there. Hmm. You know, it's funny. You've mentioned this, that Slaver's Bay campaign a few times. That was going really well, and it basically just broke for COVID. You know, we were going to move it online, and half the party didn't make it to the D20 Session Zero. So that became our Curse of Strahd game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucky for me. <laughs> Which, no, which, which was a, a, a really fortuitous break in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's funny because I remember that the last couple sessions of that game, and I think I know what you mean. And to be honest, I can kind of point to, like, I think I know what was going on in those last couple sessions, what was maybe kind of dra- dragging it out. You yeah. got sort of lost in the march there. We spent, like, we spent like like I think three sessions looking for a witch and a uh, or for a hag and something else inside the swamp. But we wound up getting very bogged down. Leave my ex-wife out of this. Encounter to encounter, which actually is sort of what happened also in the uh, in the Woodstock Wanderers game over the last uh, over the COVID sessions, where things started really going encounter to encounter and just kind of not really felt like they were moving towards goals. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's almost like this maybe isn't necessarily tied to burnout unless it's what you fall into when you start feeling burnout. But if you find your session is really bogging down into travel encounters or they're searching a place and that's going on for more than like one session, like I think you can do one session of getting from point A to B. If you're doing two, three, four sessions of just trying to get from point A to point B because they're wandering in the woods, you're probably having a game that isn't too much fun at that point. Like you want to try to limit your travel to, to a session if it's going to take a full session. Even Absolutely. That, Absolutely. It's, one of the, it's one of the things I quickly started to realize of those yeah. travel travel montages can be very, very helpful at times. Yeah, we it's, talk- hard. it's hard sometimes because you want to have that sense of danger in the world, right? You want to have, hey, you're walking into somewhere alien. It's just you got to convey it quicker. You kind of, you know, not just you, but I mean, for me and Woodstock Wanderers too, like you've got to convey that danger in like within one session, not multiple sessions. Yeah. What was funny too was with not, not to get too much off the tangent on here, but just because it was that was that initial, um, cause you guys had traveled from the, the, the main city of Zephora, you headed out, uh, along the road and then uh, you were in that town of Thrace, but then you had travel from there. So there was a break, but not enough, I think. And then it was a little bit too long. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things we all agreed on with the Christmas game, why it was so – well, they were all so awesome because they were the palate cleanser. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why they were the palate cleanser was because they changed locations. And uh, now mm-hmm. you guys have noticed in my – the way I run my stories, I love changing locations. I think that is a fantastic way to keep the game fresh. It keeps your players guessing. I hate when they're like, oh, I know what we're doing. We're stuck in the desert again. Let's see if we can find some water. This is exciting. 40 days in the desert. <laughs> yeah, right? We're going to reenact that. That Doesn't that, that sound thrilling, level, you know? 10 levels lost in the forest. Well, I mean, I like to change. As long as you're, like, D- Dave's campaign, we're going to be at Brave and Lost for the long haul, period. But I just feel like, the D&D world, no matter what world you're in, it's a huge place only limited by your imagination. You should be at the polar caps. You should be in the desert. You should be in the swamps. You should be in the jungles. And then when that gets old, throw them in a different plains. Make them traverse the plains. Make them try to figure out where they are. That'll keep it interesting. You know, that's that's an interesting point. Because I got to say, even though like we knew Curse of Strahd was all going to be in Barovia, in, in, in the demi-plane of Dread, in, in Ravenloft... It, I will say I have started to feel that way a little bit about the setting. 
You know, it's like, I know it's Barovia. I know it's I, like, it's not that I know specifically what's going to happen, <laughs> but it is starting to get like, okay, let's wrap it up and go to a beach. <laughs> hey, is it, is it dark today, guys? Is it's it dark. Perpetual no, twilight yet? Game. Is, it, is, <laughs> is, is there not really sunlight? I can't quite tell what time it is at any time still. I want to go back to Forgotten Realms. I wasn't sure. <laughs> and that is, you know, and it was fun, like, in my game, like, I, even though you guys were lost in the woods, it was fun when you went to different kinds of woods. Like, you, they were kind of like, like, at first there was kind of like the border town they were in, then they were kidnapped and taken to the, to, to this, uh, you know, to the, to this, to this ritual in the mountains. Then they were escaped and they wound up running and getting warped down to like the Southern jungle area with dinosaurs. Each one of those was at least different things and different themes to play with, even though it was all technically lost in the woods. Then they went to the Feywild, got to put together a whole Feywild city. That was fun. And that did, you know, you're right, Tony, changing venues and building a new spot. You're going to show the, the players often does kind of shake you out of your rut. I will not disagree, especially with the Strahd campaign, because, yeah, I agree with you. Barovia, at some point, it's like what I've heard people say about the, uh, what is it, uh, the Out of the Abyss? Mm -hmm. uh, it's the Underdark one, is that they always say it's just too much. It's too overbearing all the time, you know, um, being in the Underdark for, like, the whole like you know, ten levels or whatever. Isn't so out I, of the with isn't, I would love that. Isn't <laughs> Out of the Abyss the one that's been from Hell? I think it's the, it literally the Abyss does. Yeah, but I, I think it's, it's, I, I think it. Uh, I think you start. I think a lot of it is in the Underdark, <laughs> though, in the beginning at least. Um, right, but, I think it's sent to Avernus actually. During the, uh, I I will say I'm loving running the Strahd team. I don't I don't feel uh, a burnout from that, but uh, doing the Christmas Land episode and all of that. Uh, even though it was still very similar in a lot of ways, right? It was still the same tone. I was so jazzed on it for like that week or week and a half leading up while I was building that out. Like it was just this rush of of imagination and stuff. And I got to homebrew some things and, and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely uh, uh, changing up the location, even for a one shot, the palette cleanser is uh, is very, very helpful. You know what I found is definitely it kind of accelerates my bone burnout or kind of kind of uh, triggers it a little bit. Spending too much time finding maps. Oh, good God. Like, because <laughs> there are definitely some times where I'm like, OK, I got to put together the session. All right. I kind of know what I want to use, but I need to find the right map for the locations they're in. Like, actually, this was on the flip side on the Feywild. When I brought everyone to the Feywild. I went and I found pictures of Feywild City, of the kind of the city I wanted to show them, the Elven Tree City. I went and dug up like a half dozen, actually I think I dug up like a dozen different maps for things I might run into. This wound up being more than one session, which is good. Uh, I think we were there probably for one, two, three. We were there for at least four sessions, I think, which which was nice because I got to use the things I dug up. So I kind of found them once, used them for, for about, you know, for, for a couple months, basically. But spending that amount of time, like when... I'm like looking for the map that fits what I want to do. And I've suddenly realized I spent like three hours just opening and saving maps or four hours or more. That really kind of, that will bog me down. Definitely. Yeah. Maybe it's a good argument for using canned, for using canned adventures sometimes, especially on the roll 20, because we're playing in person. I don't have to do that. Right. That's absolutely true. That's something as traditional tabletop DMs, we never had to deal with. Uh, well, that's not true. 4E was a map nightmare. And I remember we were talking about this. Uh, we all got together for uh, Christmas was um, 
like we remember this one DM that uh, Thorne came across on, online who like carved his terrains out of styrofoam and all this stuff. And it's like it's profession dungeon master from uh from Dungeon Craft. Yeah, and that's, yeah. And, and ultimate that's, dungeon terrain. Yeah, and and that's know, what Scott does. Scott does that in our game actually, which is off. awesome, and he loves filming. it, and it is fantastic when he does it. I have the artistic ability to draw you a really solid stick figure. That that's <laughs> you know, where that's, I'm cutting it. But that's, that's valid though, because it that depends on the type of game you like to run. But yeah, in Roll Twenty, there is a level of having to bring that. I will say, uh, having like uh, an account on Pinterest that just constantly emails you, "Hey, we found a new board you might like." A lot of times, I'll open that up, and if I see something that I like, either a splash art. Or as a map itself, I just I just snapshot it over and over again so that I go back later and I go, oh, yeah, what was that thing I had? And then there I go. I got the city or whatever I need like, or the map. I've actually got a map folder. Like I, when I see something like that, when I see a good map, I'll download it to my map folder. And then if I have a minute, sometimes I'll upload a bunch of maps to Roll20 so I have like a selection in there and I get the sizing right on them so I, so I don't need to sit down yeah. during a game and try to match up a grid. But the problem is, like, when I was going to the Feywild, like, I hadn't, I didn't have any Feywild stuff to go, so I was doing that from scratch. And oftentimes, I find it's like, all right, so I want to do a bad, I want, I want to have this happen at a waterfall with a mystic portal in a forest, but it's more of a tropical forest, a deciduous forest, and then you try to find that. In that oh, absolutely. Like, the absolutely. more specific you want to get, and the more you want to be like, oh, this is what I'm looking to do the the more that can drain you because the problem is it's like i have a vision and i can't execute the vision flip side if you come into it by okay here's oh look that's a cool map i want to use how can i use that map it's probably a little easier but then you're not executing your vision necessarily which can be which can kind of rub you at least for me rub me the wrong way for a different reason you know i want to do what i want to do i don't want to do what's handy necessarily yeah back to our new year's resolutions I am going to mess around with maps less going into 2021. 20, no way. Like the supplements spoil us. Like you have a map. Yeah. You want you to get to the bathroom. There's your map. You can move your token to the bathroom. You know, X amount of squares it takes to get there. It's exactly 25 feet. There you go. You made it to the bathroom this turn. We don't need that. We can do theater of the mind. If you're, uh, Using roll twenty, throw something up on the screen. There's your image. Talk. Well, we there you go. Yeah, we definitely were doing more of that uh, with the Christmas game specifically. Was we all kind of jumped back to to just doing a kind of more of a theater of the mind, and then we had like Thorne and I both. We had our final uh, map for the <laughs> final battle thing, and I had the same problem. I had to find a map that kind of looked like what I needed to look like, and it was yeah. that was tough. That was tough. Um, but that goes to my second point, too. So the first thing with the Ember, I think a lot of times it's being tied to an outcome. The second thing, I think, is when you're not playing the type of game you want to play as a DM, mm-hmm. right? The players, all the players, and we talked about this in our episode about the different types of players. Everyone comes to the table for a different reason. DMs are the same way. Thorin comes to the table as DM, completely different than I do, completely different than Tony does. We have certain things that are similar. But we're all very, very different in, in what we want out of the game from that side of the screen. And if you're not playing that style of game, that's going to burn you out pretty quickly. Yeah, one of the things I found that actually has definitely contributed to burnout sometimes is when I start – and this actually happened in uh, with, the, with one of my players who quit – 
like we talked about the kind of game he wanted me to be running and the kind of game I wanted to be running. And I left our conversation feeling like, well, he really just wants me to play the role of the video game processor mm. running monsters into him, you know, and they're, they're, and they're not too challenging. They're, 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 they're perfectly balanced and they're basically there to run into his buzzsaw of a character. And that to me is terribly unrewarding. Like I am not interested in that. Yeah, you know, I want to. I want to. I want to play a game that challenges the players. I want to play a game that puts that that makes the players come up with solutions and gets them off of the hey, my power. I don't want to be stuck in that. Okay, my character has these powers. These powers will save the day. I want the player to figure out what they're going to do and come up with creative solutions. And I want to have have monsters and enemies that challenge that. So when I'm in a group where I f- where it starts to feel like, well, I can't really challenge them. So. Or, or, or this player, even I can't really challenge this player, or they're gonna like they're they're gonna quit. That to me is very draining, and mm-hmm. that kind of feeds into what you're to what to what you're saying there, Dave. It's like, absolutely, you know, you know, you, you want to, you know, you're you're not there necessarily just to be the system running the board for the players to play in. You know, I'm actually trying to trying to run a world that is rewarding to me, and that's something I need to do in order to not burn out on a game. I have always strongly refuted the D&D philosophical notion that you should only run into opponents that you should be able to deal with. Mm. That is absolute Mm. crap because there is zero tension. I keep making the phrase, it just sucks the X out of the room. It sucks the tension out of the room. (laughs) Like, I'm going to go to this dungeon. You think we'll be fine? Sure, all the monsters and traps are perfectly balanced. What do we got to worry about? Like that, that just completely murders that this, you know what dies in that game? The disbelief, the, the yeah. mystery, the magic, you know, and guess what? And then these same players will feel a certain sort of way when they get equally boring and unrewarding treasure. Like that sword that's plus one that does something once per day. That's like continual light. Like, yay. It's funny, Tony. I actually was just listening, just today, I was just listening to a video on the way back. I was driving home from work uh, and I was listening to, to Professor Dungeon Master on Dungeon Craft. And he was talking about, he, he, I think it might have been like a frequently asked questions or something, whatever. But he was saying how he likes that old school feel of the deadliness. You know, he says he loves 5e for a lot of the reasons, but he likes things like uh, reduced hit points. And only up to certain levels, like he only said, he takes people up to like level six and then he'll restart over. Like he doesn't like the higher levels because it takes away that level of danger. But he also talked about He's not this. playing with me, apparently. He has this other hack, though, too, that he does uh, or uh, some uh, a, uh, a system they came out with that's kind of like a patch for 5e. That's like they call it like I think 5e hardcore. Um, I want, And I think I'm going to try to check it out because it sounds like it takes. All the normal mechanics like we're playing with, right, that work very well, but throws in this level of danger mm. um, that uh, that is kind of reminiscent and a little bit of maybe a throwback to some of the, the earlier days. I got to be straight with you. I think 5E does things overwhelmingly right. And I understand their philosophy in the game about why they're very, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Extraordinarily forgiving with character death. And how you could be revivified, or you could just give the Heilic maneuver, or put a chocolate <laughs> pill down your throat because you're emotionally dead. I understand that. I've been in situations where I've had characters for two, three years who I played repeatedly who died and didn't come back. I get it. Most players don't want that. But, you know, do I need to install a patch for somebody to die? I mean, really, one of the, the you really, if you really want to kill somebody, 
I mean, you got to get to kill most of the party and make them run away. You got to mm. leave people on the ground and leave them behind and have the monsters like eat their brains. Well, <laughs> I'm the well guy, right? I mean, we'll say that like, and I'm like, well, well <laughs> I almost killed a party last week. <laughs> The, oh, that snowman was cuddly. Come on. If if you want to get it, the thing is, I as much as Five E is very forgiving, I find it forgiving when it comes to death in ways that I like. Because at any point in time, if I want to force players to lose de- to fail death saving throws, there's the tools there to do it. You know, just yeah. back some extra damage on them. Oh, they're dead, dead. Yeah, okay, they can revivify them. Maybe if I didn't kill the if I didn't kill the player with revivify. You know, it's like there's there's always ways around it. So I don't feel in any way like 5e makes it too hard for players to die. Like, I feel like it's it's actually the, the level of netting I want. Like, you guys can get yourselves killed. I'm probably not going to kill you by accident, but I can probably take you to a point where you're feeling a fair amount of fear, intention, overwhelm my character. Does. Well, it's really that, isn't it? It's really the, I mean, we we all watch, uh, you know, up until things like Game of Thrones, when uh, George Martin just decided to, like, you know, cut our hearts out. Um, <laughs> right? Uh we all know going into all our movies and books that, you know, in the end, the hero's kind of going to win. And even when he's falling off the cliff or she's fallen from the plane, they somehow have survived, right? All the way back to the Flash Gordon serials, right? So it's really not about them not on Flash Gordon, huh? Right. Well, I'm saying, or this, or all the, the superhero, right? I mean, how many times has, have they killed off every the superhero, out there. I mean, hell, they killed off the entire X-Men and brought them back. As, right? as I quoted mean, Max Landis, they killed death. Yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, like, so they it's not that they that they die and they're never back. It's that it's the tension of that ratcheting up that that could happen that you're edge of the seat. And then if you do die, being brought back just lets you kind of look at that and be like, fuck that. It's like the Red Caps thing, right? It's the fuck Red Caps. You know, because we, he didn't just, okay, well, roll up new characters. No, we turn into a total party capture. It turned into a good villain. It turns blah, 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 all of that. But it still ratcheted up that tension. And I think that's really what we're talking about. So, yeah, Thorne, I, I, I like that, that that idea. There's just enough netting there, you know, so that you're not just, you know, axing dudes all day long. I admit that begrudgingly. <laughs> I mean, it's I, feel like, it's, 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 I feel like if I hit a guy in the head with a rock and they go down, I'm like, well, he's fine. He's fine. Oh, not at all. Not at all. I mean, hell, I I uh, had Bob Saga's hut punch Shannon's character in the face and break her in one shot. Well, so, well, you know, shit, hand, On the other hand, Shannon's character that's a rogue has done enough damage with one hit oh, to God, take yeah. a fairly to, – to, to take – a lower level PC dead and over the edge to dead dead. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the damage potential is there if you want it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially with multi attack, like all the stuff in uh, all the stuff in Zan- uh, is it not Xanthar's? All the stuff in um, uh, Morton Canyon, I think the to the Tome of Foes and the other one, the one with the red caps are in. Like all of that stuff is like multi attack with a ton of damage potential. I remember seeing oh they should attack three times. Whack, whack, whack. Oh, that's a lot of damage. You literally <laughs> said that at one point when you had the gorillas. I think you said, oh, it's, oh, they hit you six times. <laughs> or yeah, five or whatever it was. Here's what it's like to be hit by Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, I, I also did that when I looked down at the hut. And I had looked over the stat block, but I looked down during game and I was like, oh, 
Okay, so and I'm just rolling out, I don't know, 100D10 or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Tony, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, three attacks is horrendous. You can't even multi-attack three times around unless you have 11 levels in fighter. Redcaps yeah. can do it at CR2. Yes. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it's the old, it's the, that's Kung the Fu Masters with their, their gnome hats. But and the, the funny thing is, it balance them to be able to take on a big party, though, right? So. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, it describes how heavy their boots are and how heavy their long sabers are. And you're like, everything about them is how heavy they are. Oh, and they can attack three times. I mean, it's like all of a sudden lightning attacks here. <laughs> when I read heavy weapon, I read slow attacks, high damage. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, but, you know, we're we're a little far afield, though. Have, I have never felt burned out from having monsters that were a little too hard for the players or for, you know, bringing players close to death. Oh, no. I actually no. feel like that balance and keeping that there is that tends to make me feel like I did a good job. You know, if the players are kind of right there and they're they were, they were close to losing the last fight and they're able to pull it out. And I feel like it, I feel like, yeah, that was right around where you want it to be. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, in reality. I, I feel I feel really split on this because, again, you don't want to have a character who you're playing for a year who gets whacked in a random battle. I've been there. I, I, I said in the podcast episodes ago, I had a character I worked on putting together for like a month and he died in game two. Mm. I'm like, well, there, there goes that storyline. I don't mean like it, he's Miracle Max dead. I mean, the other <laughs> players got <laughs> We're really hitting on that today, aren't we? Yeah. No, they <laughs> so buried his ass. But, you know, to get back to the topic, so what else makes you feel like you burn out as a DM? I mean, we talked about kind of being too attached to kind of the the way you want it to come out. Um, we talked about how, you know, if, if you feel like, uh, you know, the players are just expecting you to kind of run monsters at them for them to kill, that can be a burnout. What else, what else kind of burns you out as a DM? High expectations. I feel like some of my games, um, people have looked at and like, well, this is like episode four of Star Wars, right? And I'm like, I'm glad you think so. I mean, <laughs> let me just talk with my creative director and my person in art and production. And, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get together and make sure this is really going to be a good session for you. It's like, I came up with something original, but the board of directors axed it because I thought it was too risky. So here we are in Tropeville. <laughs> yeah, and here you are in a dungeon fighting a dragon. Sorry about that. Like, the legal department made me do it. Um, I will say there is nothing that quite takes the fun out of D and D for me, like feeling like there is, like, like that feeling of pressure. Like I really got to feel like okay, everyone wants to play, we're all gonna have fun. If I start feeling like you know, man, I really got to get this right or they're not gonna enjoy it, I start one like that. That to me leads to a lot of burnout. Like I don't want that level of stress with the Emmy, personally. Yeah, I mean that goes back to what I was saying with being tied to an outcome. You know, and that's even the outcome of players' expectations or your perceived expectations. You know, you they might not even be. You just might be kind of feeling that. Like I was saying with some of the Slavers Bay, like I was reading that in a way that was probably not what other people were reading. But that's your own stuff that you're bringing to the table, right? So let's expand on that a little bit. You said it a couple times that, you know, if you're tied to it, you're tied to an outcome. But what yeah. else? What else are you? What else are you coming to the game for? I mean, you, you're you're coming to express yourself. You're coming to have fun with your friends. Like, there's always an outcome you're looking for, right? Well, well, the out the outcome of of creativity and fun, but those are big things. I, what I mean is an outcome of that, and that's where it falls into 
like an outcome like uh, like you're on like you put them on the hardest rails known to man, and they, if they don't get to that outcome, then then the the game is a failure, right? Which leads into people where they are over preparing for things, right? And they might get burnout because they prepared out. You know, you see these people on the posts, and they're writing like they. What should I do to build my whole world? I'm about to DM for the first time, and I'm like, bro, just like grab a dungeon and put them in it. Right, like don't even let them get to dungeon. They wake (laughs) up in it or whatever. Like don't even. But you know, you're you're building the whole world and you're building the tower and you're building the 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 giant capital city over here and you got the other continent down here and you have you've drawn out all the maps, you know. And then all they want to do is drop down into the underdark, right, or something like that, you know. Um, Yeah. So I mean more outcomes like that, like expecting it to to be a certain way as opposed to what I find is the best with sessions is you have an idea as to what's going to start the session, you know, and maybe where it's going to go. And then it's that back and forth. It's that improv that you always you, you talk about and that you like very much. Right. It's that ability to give and take and that yes and between the players and the DM that turns that into a great session. And if you allow that to blossom, if you give it the, the air to breathe, that can really turn into something. But if you have an idea that it's supposed to be like this, then that can, that can really start to, uh, to, to affect your game. You know, honestly, if I never have to DM or excuse me, I never have to create a town from the freaking boards in the floor again, it'll be too soon. (laughs) <laughs> Honest to God. Next campaign, I'm DMing Dead World. Sporadic merchants. That's just... that's why I always talk about kit fashion, man. It's, they've all made it already. You can just grab it and plug and play. Well, well, here's my thing. Does anybody really want to spend a couple of hours of your game time exploring a city? Because as a player, I sure as hell do not. Like Depends on the team. Depends on the party. Mm-hmm. Depends on the party. But play. here... but. Here's the thing. Uh, what if, as a DM, building that city and building that world is what you enjoy? You know, because these things aren't necessarily so cut and dry. I mean, it's easy to say if you come to the game with no expectations, it's going to play out the way you want it to. Well, then that's you know, then you won't burn out on it. You won't you won't have you won't be disappointed effectively. But on the flip side, is if you're a DM who comes to the game to play this world that you've had in your mind, to play out this story you've had in your mind, mm-hmm. or like Tony, you talked about the game where you're like, hey, yeah, we're going to go into the Underdark, do all this Underdark stuff, and you got down there and the players hated the Underdark. You know, honestly, that's kind of a burnout-inducing problem there. You know, I think that that, because if you're there as the DM to run this thing you've had in your head and you've gathered these players to play that sort of thing, no, we've talked about you can use a session zero to make this go better. But I don't necessarily completely buy the idea that you know you should come into the session without without some expectation of what kinds of things you want to express in it because as artistic expression you might want to build that world or build that town and then if you aren't able to explore that in the game itself that's going to be disappointing like i think it's okay to want to play the things you build no nothing nothing's wrong with that nothing's wrong with that uh, absolutely not but i mean two things uh one I've built a town where I took things so far out where I had a backstory set up with one of the shopkeepers. We had secret items who then the players never talked to. And they were in this town half a dozen times. And exactly. Never, yeah. So exactly. don't play this chess game too many moves in advance, guys, because that's going to absolutely tank. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, and you guys can feel free to disagree with me on this. If you're playing in a setting 
that you wanted to play in and the players are not digging it, I feel you have to change it. Or your table is going to flip. Let them finish that mod in the Ender Dark and let them split. And I've been in situations where they're not like in the campaign environment. And I'm like, well, here we are. And next thing I know, like nobody wants to play in it. And it's like, well, they told you. Well, did you enjoy that though? Um, you certainly not getting your best players, putting them in an environment where they're like, you know, they've been in the Ender Dark. This is a four E campaign. And they were in the Ender Dark for like, they were for like a hot minute. They were in there for like eight levels. But Ooh. yeah, and they're like That's a while. Yeah, you got you guys you got to spend some underdark time, definitely. But I opened up like this the layer, like the underdark has layers, and yeah. there's all kinds of mysteries the deeper you go and all this stuff. And I want it to be an underdark campaign. And they're like, Yeah, we want to see the beach. But when you're the DM and you came in there, you talked before about how you really wanted to do that underdark campaign. I mean, as a player, as the other player at the table, did you enjoy having to pull back and not We'll go into the underdark. Uh, did I? Was that my, my first choice? Uh, my first choice was to be in the underdark, and that's fine. But if the players come to you and say, "Ah, we're not digging this," then you got yeah, got to adjust. Uh, that that is my position on this. Um, my character playing in there. Eh, the, but I mean, um, but as a DM though, did you did you want to adjust? Were you happy adjusting? Um, sometimes the good of the many outweighs the good of the few. <laughs> How much longer did that game go on for? It, uh, it, that's about where it stopped. Yeah. You know, this is actually what I'm getting at. That's okay. We can talk about how great it is to adapt to the players and give the players what they want, but that's about where that game stopped. And I think there's an underlying truth here. You've got to respect that you have to enjoy the game too. And if you come at this from a servant DM point of view, that you're going to make every adjustment and warp the world in every way to make the players happy, I think you're going to burn out faster. You know, I think that leads to burnout. And I don't think yeah, it's coincidental. I mean, as much as we can spin this story to be a positive thing that, hey, we left the Underdark, I don't uh, think it's coincidental I mean, that the game stopped there. Well, because we didn't leave the Underdark. And mm. that that's uh, my point. Okay. I did not make an adjustment. And then, you know, it, yeah. it tanked. So, but I, those are two different things, I think, too. So, like, you know, uh, one, this is one of the reasons I, I know we've talked about it before, but this is one of the reasons that I really like um, – the pitching your campaign thing, you know, saying, here's some ideas. Here's things I am into. What are you into? Because then you have already, it's not like, uh, you know, you, so, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to have kids. No, 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 ever. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I totally want to have kids. What are you talking about? You know, that kind of thing. Um, you know what what's happening right up front, you know, when that's why we're in Barovia, right? People were like, yeah, let's play Strahd. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. So you know you're going to be in it. Now, does that mean that nine levels in, you're not like, okay, dude, like we're in Barovia. All right, I get it, right? No, of course not, right? Um, but that's, that's, that's a completely different thing. That's just realizing... Oh, okay, I also now want to see where else this these these characters can go to. Totally cool. So if you go in with saying like, "Hey, I'm, we're going to do an underdark campaign," awesome. Everyone knows that you're on board. Now, if they're eight levels in and they're like, "Okay, now you know," then maybe that might be time to. There are other things in the world, you know. So that's not necessarily changing and warping your entire world uh, to to placate players. That's just allowing them a level of agency to 
exit the Underdark, too, because the rest of your world exists if the Underdark exists. I hope, or else you're in some weirdo alternate reality. They come out of the Underdark. That's frightening. And there's just, like, caution tape everywhere, and there's, like, styrofoam, and, yeah. like, the buildings are all closed. It's <laughs> just a movie set, and you're like, oh, my God, what a twist. Well, Or you're in Barovia. You can't leave Barovia, right? Well, you can. You just have to find the ways to do that. I think that's usually through death. Uh, or uh, killing. Well, no, you, you, you never get to leave if you die. That's the whole thing, yeah, right? Killing, killing somebody. Killing somebody. You you enough suplexes, I could, we could leave. I, I have a straw, hit straw enough enough of those. We'll find our but, exit. But I do think, you know, it's also we talk about this. This session zero does help avoid that. If you get, if the, if everyone sets out in the beginning and agrees, this is the kind of game we're going to run. Well, then everyone's at least expressed buy-in that we're going to be in this place doing this kind of thing. And I think that does get you ahead of that a bit as far as our players going to enjoy what you want to do. We've talked about the Underdark campaign where Tony had to kind of – they started in the upper world and then, boom, immediately went to the Underdark, and the players didn't enjoy that. You know, and that's – you know, you want to get the buy-in for it uh, ahead of time. That certainly helps you, uh, you know, basically design a campaign the players are going to enjoy. And design players that are going to be fun to play in. I was just talking with a patient about this, um, who's I found out is super into D and D. I was explaining how you know I haven't really played a ranger yet, and I, there's a lot of reasons I want to. But I was saying like, but you know, if you're playing a ranger in like a city intrigue game, it's probably gonna suck, right? Like that's not a cool one. Like you know, but if you're playing in Barovia and you're playing fast. a a paladin or a cleric well that's really cool that really fits you know so when tony wanted to run storm kings i go okay we're going to be with giants so let me think about something that might be fun to play with giants you know so that i think helps with it too or like uh the marvel game right chris mm -hmm. said hey do you guys want to do kind of a cosmic adventure a la gardens of the galaxy or do you want to do like a real street level survival days of future past style thing and Thorne, you were saying, I'm not really, I don't really want to do the survival thing, so I'm, I vote for Cosmic. Yeah. But if we were playing the street level one and he had never said anything, you'd be like, oh, well, okay. I mean, you probably still have fun, who knows, but you at least know what you're getting into, right? That's true. And honestly, yeah, I wouldn't, because I know in the Marvel Universe specifically, I'm not, I don't like where they took the X-Men in that direction. Like, I feel like it, it got boring. You know, I feel like the the more the more survival horror the X-Men got, the more boring it got to me. Really? And a lot of the properties are like that. So you're right. I mean, had we been in that and I hadn't had the chance to kind of express my concerns about it, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. Right. Exactly. So at least you know what you're getting into. Plus, then we wouldn't have these 600 point characters with all their awesome, you know, oh my God. earthly abilities. And that's yeah, what anyway. face okay. punching. <laughs> face <laughs> punching. It goes on for days. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, tactical uh survival uh and uh horror survival are very interesting but neither of which are my go-to just like you know town intrigue is not my preferred to be perfectly honest by the time i got to throw my vote in because i was behind on the ravenloft game i was the last guy in there and like four votes or five votes were cast for ravenloft i'm like okay i'm a good sport <laughs> we're doing this no, but that that is an excellent point, Tone, because I know that you that probably wouldn't have been your first choice because you played through what four editions of Ravenloft at this point, right? Now five. Um, so yeah, that wouldn't. But you are being a good sport, and that's part of it too, right? As on the player side, like there has to be that give and take. You know, it's not just the DM has to do what you. You know, I don't think anybody has has ever. I think that's a very good point. When the players don't have that give and take, that burns me out bad. Like, I feel like it is, there is, 
as much as I could talk about and joke about how, the, you know, I keep my story on the rails, if the players feel their destiny is on the rails or how the continuity of the game should go and that does not align with my version or vision of that, that's where that goes. That goes very south. Um, sometimes players really because they've played a lot think they're invincible. They want to know why they're clearing a farm at level two. And it's like, well, we're going to kick the goblins out. Well, you know, we'd rather be fighting dragons. Well, you're level two. And I know you've killed dragons in your last couple of campaigns, but that wouldn't make any sense. And that's why they always push for those hard encounters. And so then I'm in that situation where I'm like, well, they're fighting a really hard encounter. One of two things happen. One, they win and they just, it kind of like, you know, adds to like, yeah, see, we can win that hard encounter. Well, actually, three things happens. Or two, they uh, have a very hard, actually, they have a really hard encounter and they get frustrated. Or three, they get TPK'd and then, you know, there's this epic butt hurt. Or an epic story, depends. Take your pick. <laughs> I think, you know, even if they win it, you get basically, you get, you get threat inflation, right? Because now they've defeated a dragon. You can't put them against goblins tomorrow. That's, that's tragic. I wrote about that in my uh, magical item guide. Yeah. yeah. When you start handing, you're going to hand out Thor's hammer. That's fantastic. Where's uh, that item for everybody else in the player, in the party? And then what do you give to them in seven sessions from now? Yeah. And now you're only fighting the Midgard serpent. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, right? that's it. And his brothers and his cousins. Yeah. yeah. There were some sweet Viking dragons, Linorms, in a dragon magazine I have for second edition. But I digress. I should bring those back. They were fun. They were a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, you get, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think as a DM, you know, you, you can have a session zero where you get everyone on board with what you want to play. I do think that you know, Tony, I hear you. You know, when you have that kind of game you want to run, and the players don't want to run that kind of game that that's draining you know you, you're you're no longer you know a good D session you come out with energy you've had fun you've improv with your friends you've gone back and forth you laughed you killed some things you just you know drank some beer it's fun and you come out like yeah that was great i want to go build the next piece for them when you're starting to burn out you stop getting that bounce you know, and that really kind of in the Roll20, when we moved to the Woodstock Wanderers to Roll20, there have been a lot of games like that where it's just like, man, not getting that bounce back out of, you know, that 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 feeling, that input that you get out, that we were getting from the live game. And I think that's really important. And if you find yourself not getting that bounce, if you find yourself ending a session and be like, all right, well, that's done. Uh, was that good enough? I don't know. You're probably burning out. Yeah. You know, if you're not coming out of a session feeling jazz for the next one, yeah, you might be burning out a bit. Yeah, I mean, I generally have trouble getting to like, you know, we'll end 12, 12 mm. 30 sometimes on a lot of strong games. And I have trouble going to bed. Uh, yeah. I'm usually up. And if I try to go to bed, my mind is just racing about, like, oh, well, oh, I could have done that. Oh, well, next time I'll get it. Oh, this. And what am I going to do next session? And then usually by the next day, I'm already starting to, uh, to at least create some of my, uh, at least the skeleton of my session notes. Some prep notes for the next session. Yeah, exactly. I feed off my players for that. And if you're in a really good situation, and there is no substitute for this, one of the problems I run into with DM burnout is when you're playing with the same group of players and things get a little flat, once in a while you get lucky and you could bring another person in or somebody drops out and you bring somebody in. I remember actually the last campaign I ran in second edition that Thorne was part of, my buddy, I think – 
you and I had been together in a game for like another eight levels or so, and then it had flatlined for whatever reason. I don't even remember. And I started this brand new from scratch, and Luke joined that game. And then together, you all collectively had chemistry. Yeah. You need to be worried about actors at the table. <laughs> two, two players dropped out of that game, I believe. Uh, yeah, when that started, I had, yeah, Chris and his girlfriend were playing. Uh, and that was a little rough because that was a big table. We had like eight players yeah. in the second mission combat with all multiple attacks. And it's like, all right, I'm going to go smoke a cigar. <laughs> Let me know who hit and I'll have the damage. Well, we've talked about that before, too. Um, the idea of, you know, you're kind of curating a table, too. You know, there are certain players that just you want them in your next game. You know, you're like, oh, they're going to be one of my regulars. But then you get certain ones together. And, well, they didn't work quite out. But over here, they work perfectly. Uh, and I think we're always in that kind of mix and match uh, process. And that can add to it, too. You know, some some tables are just not uh, – they're just going to lead to burnout, I think, because you're having to give constantly. There's not this this coming back. Because as much as I bring a lot of the story and 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 all of that, and I I like that type of thing. Um, I like to provide that that atmosphere for the players. I am benefited one when they're having fun with it, and I'm having fun, but also when they're coming back to me with stuff. When we're I'll message them something and they'll come back to me with, ooh, I would really like if X, Y, Z happened. Or is there any way that my character could do this? Or or he, I would like to, to go talk with this person on the side or something like, like they're invested in the, in the world and in their character. Uh, that's a huge thing too, uh, because then I'm not feeling like I'm a battery for the game, you know? Yeah. You so, have carried some games, Dave. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, not Dave with you picks it up and he's like, oh, I've got this. Ah, and he's holding the table up. Not with you in him. No, we haven't had one of the. In this, I have been very, very blessed. I feel in this with the Strahd group that it's uh, there's a there's enough uh, personality at the table that it uh, you guys keep it going too. Yeah, so we have some moments. But you have forced me to, chemistry. You you have forced me to dig deep into my very. Uh, shallow bag of accents. So, <laughs> um, I have a There's young a... boy's accent, which I've been accused of sounds like a 72 year old man. Herbert. <laughs> like, hey, kids. <laughs> you know, like, no, that's my voice. God damn it. Hold on. That's, that sounds like a 72 year old. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd say man. That, that's uh, like the old man from Family Guy. Yeah, that's Herbert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I do. I, that's hey, I got a paper here. Yeah. <laughs> What are some things players do that help alleviate? You know, we've talked about how, you know, the, how the group can help you, know, can help you uh, get that energy back. What are some of the things that players do that give you that energy back that help, you know, basically stave off burnout? Well, uh, as Dave was saying, yes, you shouldn't be the battery for the game. And you know what? They're, the, the game is a machine and we're all batteries. Yeah. And if we're not putting all point, everybody should be bringing something to the table every game. I mean, like before I go to any given game, I'm already thinking about some things generally I want to try or would like to do at that game. I've got some ideas in my head, even as a player. Um, as my, you know, And when I'm a DM, of course, I've got the board behind me with the ribbons and the pins trying to explain my latest plot twist, <laughs> you know. 
but you can all understand in 11 easy steps, but every, everybody should be bringing something. Everybody should bring some humor, a creative idea, uh, some dialogue, some interaction with an NPC, a good move. Contribute. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely true. And um, I like it when a table, um, well, one, when the players are, are ready to, to have some fun and to, to suspend disbelief and to just explore this world that we're in right now. Whatever, whatever your previous uh, experiences were or when we talk about traumatized players and stuff, but coming to this one fresh and seeing what can happen, you know. Uh, I also like when they help each other out um, and don't create any kind of adversarial thing, you know, when they allow... Uh, the DM to, you know, when, when, when you say what you say, then that's, that's finally it, you know, and then yeah. there's that, that respect of that. Um, and yeah, like I said before, when they are invested in it and invested in where their character wants to go and how they want to do it, you know, I, one of the perfect examples I will say is um, uh, in the Strahd campaign specifically is Bonnie's character. She's an artificer and I've been very much enjoying how she's, uh, playing it because one the 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 wackiness of the gnome character but two how she's deciding to build some of these things that she does you know uh where she'll be like can i i want to grab like two quarters of that velvet drape can i i'm like sure and then two three games later she's built some crap out like i want to make it into this you know <laughs> uh so it's that it's those types of little things that i really i i really dig you know and a lot of uh, a lot of biomechanical things there. A lot a lot of body parts. A lot of HR Geiger kind of stuff going on. In her, yeah, I mean uh, like creations. her wand in essence. That like her her blasting rod for a Harry Dresden fans is literally a femur that's been uh, I think silvered. I think it's I think yeah, that's correct. Yes, silver the femur. Yeah, it's, it's not even a jawbone <laughs> of an ass. Werewolves again or something. Yeah, but all of the character, all of the players in the Strahd campaign, all you guys. Uh, are all bringing a high level of uh, investment in your character, in their backstory, in their personality, and you're really trying to all explore that. And I, I that's, I really dig that. You know, I really dig that. Comes together good. It's a good game. I mean, for me, I think as far as getting back to the question of you know what can player, what do players do that that really kind of bring energy to the game? Uh, for me, in, I really want players to engage with the world. I don't want them to engage with the world in character. I I hate when players start thinking in terms of, you know, uh, they, they well, adversarial relationship, but also just the metagaming kind of relationship of, you know, well, you know, I don't want to go there because this is going to cause something bad, or I don't want to engage with that because I'm afraid of what's going to happen there, or I just want to get out of here because this this the scene that's been set up is too is intimidating. I want to get I just want to get out of it. You know, if you're constantly trying to back away from the interesting things in the world, that's because you know, I'm building things I want to play with. So if you don't want to play with those things, yeah, it's not really engaging. <laughs> and and you get to that point where you talk about you're trying to drive the world, but it's also like, okay, but the only way they're, it's like, they're just trying to run away. If they're not trying to engage with the things we're doing, well, then I've got to like drive it, you know, kind, kind of drive it to them and railroad them into it, which isn't what I'm looking to do. 
so to me, one of the big things that hasn't been mentioned yet is that, you know, engage with the world, engage with the ideas. Like, I mean, I really enjoyed when we, we talked about Erasmus, you know, kind of going down the well of the of the Lovecraftian books and letting great old ones into the world and becoming a pile of bugs. As much as that could be a joke, I really enjoyed that whole thing. Like that whole that whole storyline, the whole plotline, what was going on with Erasmus and the rest of the world, bringing Cthulhu out a couple times, that was a lot of fun. But it takes a certain amount of going down the rabbit hole. You know, and if you have players who are very reluctant to go to 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 kind of push the buttons and pull the levers, eh, the machine doesn't work so well. Not everybody was prepared to put the IFF in. No, no, that's true. That's true. I want the kind of players who want to put in the who are willing to try to put in the IFF. <laughs> Not always. I mean, it's totally fair to not want to put in the Eye of Vecna. What becomes a problem is when they hear Eye of Vecna and they're like, put that back down. I want nothing to do with it. You know, that's when you kind of, that's when they're not really engaging with the stuff in the world. What What are you saying? We have some lawful good players in some of our games that make Mr. Rogers look like, you know, a rebel. I don't know. A, a lawful good player should still be compelled to interact with the Eye of Vecna. <laughs> it's, a, it's a plot point. They should want to do something with it. Even they smash it with their axe and it explodes, like Gimli. But um, no, that was that was a fun plot line. But yeah, ever everyone needs to uh, do something and strive for uh, opportunities when they can be creative or cool and have their cool moments. Um, yeah. Like even the earlier editions, when I was like rolling in one e, some of the better moments were someone would ask me a completely off the wall question, like how high is that wall? And I'm like. 40 feet why next thing you know he's in a sniper position and he's shooting the black knight as he's going by in the throat i mean <laughs> you said it was 40 feet i just i was <laughs> yeah i get a perfect vantage point from there but think like your character if a character is a tactical character he should be making intelligent tactical plays absolutely this is a kill zone we got him in the kill box <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, if your character is not that highly tactical character, don't play him that way. Well, one <laughs> of the things um, they ran into where you're not getting, uh, you know, the energy back is when players are set in the wrong roles. And if, you know, you need, you need, and that's not your job to cast them, but there, there's differences. Like I've seen players in some games where they're meh and other players in other games that are fantastic. And I'm like, it's the character. It's it's the class they're in. There's not everybody can play every class better. I don't care who you are. You favor certain classes better. Interesting. We've certainly talked about how, especially the casting classes. Like if you got to choose from a lot of spells, some players are not going to put in the homework and the patience and enjoy getting to know their all their spells and making those decisions. Have you ever yeah. had a bad thief in your party? I have. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yes, I've been in parties with bad thieves. Absolutely. Like no no no. I don't need you to be a good thief by trying to break into the bank at 4 a.m., getting nearly caught, getting the town guards hating us, having like the locals all hate us. I need you to open these locks. I really, I really feel like that was one of the. I, I, I can only imagine that had to be one of the, the the design reasons why they took it from being the thief class in the earlier editions to now they call it rogue. Because that, that covers a whole wide... You don't have to be the pickpocket all the time. Oh, that know? was stupid. To oh, the my. point, and I've said this before, to the point where, like, people play rogues now, like, more roguish, right? Um, to the point where in Slaver's Bay, I had a rogue who was literally playing it like a thief, and I was like, oh, shit, I wasn't prepared for that. That's okay. right, they verbal and muck. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. 
Yeah, he was straight up a like, and I was like, oh, he he wants to be the old school thief. Oh, okay, this is cool. I can work with this. But I was I was surprised by it. My drow elf Theoden never picked anyone's pocket or broke into a house until he was like seventh level because his stats and those areas sucked. <laughs> if I tried to pickpocket you, you'd catch me. Like especially the way they used the the, um, the percentages in the earlier editions. It yeah. wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to make a slight of hand check. Ah, you wish. Yeah. You had like a 30% chance of doing this shit with like good an luck. 18 dex. Yeah. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the second edition thief skills. I mean, they were kind of neat in that they were a different mechanic and it was unique. But like, it made no sense. Like, you weren't good at any. You really had to focus on one thing you were <laughs> going to be good at. And that was it. Like, all your extra discretionary points had to go into that thing. They <laughs> it was, they literally only took the role of Bilbo, literally not being a thief, but everyone calls him a thief. Like, <laughs> like, like you couldn't you build a second edition thief and try to be, you couldn't, like, build him balanced. He would, no. if you're trying to build a balanced second edition, edition thief, he would simply suck at thieving until, like, 10th level. Meanwhile, a, a 5e rogue is, like, uh, undoing, uh, the fucking Fort Knox at level two <laughs> and sniping guys from a hundred yards at high wind. Oh, thieves are a beast now. And previously yeah. the thief was just a disaster in combat and like first and second aid, like yeah. you'd backstab someone. And if you couldn't take them out, well, you're going to get your ass kicked now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, once, you know, we've talked about what causes burnout, what can maybe help prevent burnout. Once you feel burned out, what do you do? Uh, it's time for a fresh start then. So if you're running a campaign and you're feeling like you're burned out, uh, I would try a completely different session, kind of like what we did with the Christmas game. Um, just maybe the plot, like the core plot is too heavy. They're not getting it. People don't like it. Maybe they don't feel that their characters got the screen time they wanted. There could be a million different reasons. Do something light, change it up. Put them somewhere else unrelated to the core plot. Don't put them on a clock with their existing plot line. So they're not under the gun to finish this. And let them kind of do some team building. Get some chemistry. If your players don't have any chemistry, you're not going to get any freaking positive energy back from them. It's impossible. Mm. Now, when you, said, when you said try something completely different, I thought you meant kill the campaign. Oh, jeez. Oh, because that's also no. I let them do that themselves. I mean, geez, that's when they usually get froggy, and they're like, "Yeah, but we're gonna get this dragon." And I'm like, "You know what? This is normally where uh, I would say roll me an insight check to see how great of an idea this is." But no, go right ahead. He's right there. Get that dragon. There yeah. he is in that cave. Just go, just go like you know, throw a beer bottle in that cavern and, and see that mouth, cave mouth opening, and let's just let, let let the bones land where they may. Have, have you ever killed a party because you were burned out? Uh, no, really, they've done that in their own, primarily. I, I have never gone that far where I just said, fuck it, and just murdered in the rocks fall, and everybody's uh, dead. Usually, it happens where the players get a little frustrated, and they try to push it a little too hard. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go fight. We're going to try to go to that one vault and clear it. And it's like, you know, there's three iron golems in there. You're going to have to fight. Yeah, well, we got this. Okay. Do you got a plan? 
yeah, the plan is you're getting your face smashed. <laughs> you're getting curb stomped by a giant robot. That's what's happening. Players don't notice the DM in the si- on, on the side of the stage whistling as he rolls up the nets. <laughs> yeah. Let's get the safety equipment out of here. We don't need these anymore. <laughs> I mean, Let's let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, Important I mean, if, gaming lessons here. See, there's a difference, though. Like, if I threw them in a counter and they're wandering through the woods and three iron golems came pushing the wave through the 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 force and they're like initiative and attacked them then i'm like well god damn you've smoked them but you know where these things are you're you're you know you're using live ammo and if you save them at that point forget it you've murdered death and i've heard about dms like oh and then this one dragon comes in and saves you or this or that like now you know, I like a little bit of cheese for my Christmas games. That's fun. But, like, you know, seriously, we can't be on a solid Limburger diet. So, yeah, I mean, uh, changing it up in that way I think is good. Also, make sure that you're playing as well because um, that's one of the biggest things. If you're always behind the screen, the forever DM thing, um, that will just at some point start to uh, – it could burn you out, but it could also just make you stale. And kind of flat because you only have this one vantage point that you're looking through and that tunnel vision can get pretty, uh, pretty small. So uh, be playing. And if you're in a group where like you're the only person that's DMing and that's the only group you got, have somebody run something or just say, look, guys, we got to put a pin in this because I'm just I'm just not feeling it right now. Uh, We actually kind of did something similar, Thor, I think, for uh, Woodstock where. Um, I think sometimes it can happen because you're playing with a certain group too much. Uh, mm-hmm. When we were pre-COVID, uh, we were probably gaming about once a month, I would okay, say. Yeah. Maybe once a month, once every six weeks, give or take, depending on schedules. And that was great. Everybody was super jazzed to get there. It was a whole night. We would, you know, we wouldn't, we'd stumble out of Bonnie's house at 1 a.m., right? Um, we hit to roll 20. We're like, well, we're all home. Let's just double it up. So we started playing every two weeks. And I think between that and the, the, the digital interface uh, with that group was part of what led to that, you know? So maybe you're, maybe back off, you know, absence sometimes makes the heart grow fonder, you know, people can get a little more jazzed up when they don't have it all the time. You know, you got a steady diet. You can start going, Oh, well, I guess, you know, sometimes it could feel like a chore then. Um, so maybe back off the amount of times you're getting too. I would also say like, I kind of prefer playing once a month as opposed to, I know Tony would prefer playing like Tony, we've talked about, it. you're not a big fan of the once a month game. You'd rather be playing DMing well, every other week or one or, or once a week. Right. Let, let me qualify that statement. If there is one game going on in my life that I'd prefer to play bi-weekly, but like the situation okay. I'm in right now where I'm floating three, four games, it's yeah. like, uh, you feel free. You need to skip. No problem, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Because that is, I mean, like one of the things I found was I like DMing more frequently than once a month, but I don't necessarily like DMing the same game bi-weekly or weekly anymore. I like having a bit of a break, you know, every three yeah. weeks or every four weeks is kind of, is kind of what I prefer. And I like having what we do have right now is we do have a cycle of games going. Like I'm only DMing one. Normally I'd like to DM two. I do a lot with the podcast. That's taking up some of that same space and it's not the same. I don't have the same availability, but like, yeah, for me, I'd like, I'd love to be DMing a game every two weeks, but they're different, but it's cycling between two games. So I'm DMing mm-hmm. each game once a month and you kind of cleanse the palate. I would yeah. also say for me, um, 
one of the things I find when I'm finding any kind of burnout is I tend to want to fall into something else. Uh, I'm a big, you know, role-playing game player, you know, Skyrim, these kinds of games. So I might just, you know, if I take some time off, I might start playing Skyrim a lot. You know, or like, or, or whatever, whatever RPG I'm playing at that point. You know, I was playing Elder Scrolls Online for a while. I've got Kingdom Come. You know, I've read Dead Redemption 2. I get into something, and I just get lost in something else. And I got to get lost in something else for a while to come back and feel like I'm recharged for this. And, you know, you go get some new ideas that way. Yeah. It's one thing to go play another D&D game. That's great. I want to go play other games, too. Like, I really need to get a little further away from it in order to recharge when I'm when, when I'm feeling a little bit, you know, when I'm feeling burnt out. And I will, like, I'll just want to be, you know, I try to kind of get away from social games and get into things I can play single player, for, like, and really kind of, you know, get into a different headspace and, and do a little escapism for a while. Because if you're getting burned out in your D&D game, one of the things that stops being is effective escapism. So if you're playing D&D as an escape and you're burning out, well, the game's not an escape anymore. So you got to go find that escapism somewhere else, I find. That's a very good point. You mean that it's exactly, there should be your window where you're going to this table and you're like, you know what? I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about home. I'm not thinking about my family. I'm not thinking yeah. about anything other than I'm in this tavern with these guys and we're going to go on an adventure. And yeah. if you can really keep that air of disbelief, you can have that feeling of mystery, that is your ideal setting in my mind. And that puts the players in an environment where they can start putting energy at the table. Yeah. So, all right. We've been going on for a little bit. Let's get some final thoughts here. What are your final thoughts on DM burnout, of recognizing it, avoiding it, getting better from it? What do you think? Uh, recognizing it is when your inspiration starts uh, to plummet. Uh, that's easy enough. Uh, how to deal with it? Well, change things up. Change your setting. Um, see if, if it's a problem necessarily with your game. Are your players enjoying the actual core setting you have, or do you just need a break from it? Let them step away from a session or two. See if that brings uh, you back to it. Look at what you like the most as your foundation of putting together a module. Maybe you're drawing all this, you're draining all this energy putting things together. Maybe run like a one-shot or two-shot pre-made adventure and let them take that burden off you. Use a bunch of maps that exist, let them go deal with that, and then they can kind of compare and contrast how they like your style and all your home put-together things versus the uh, pre-existing products that you got. Yeah. So I would say, uh, just to kind of reiterate what I, uh, the points I made uh, throughout here. Um, one, being tied to the outcome, being tied to it being a certain way, being that the game has to run a certain way, they have to hit a certain point in it, they they have to talk to this person or whatever it might be, and try to let go of that. Try to set up what the general scenario is, and then you got to let that, that engine go and see where it goes. Um, with that kind of comes the uh the uh, the over preparing idea you know you're building out all of this stuff that they might never go to you know like tony's guy he had this whole backstory this guy was alive and well and they didn't want to talk to him right they nope. just went they came into the town they bought some stuff at the mercantile store and they were out and meanwhile you had all of this stuff so like that poor sad troll king you know do your world <laughs> building but try to prepare just for that next session like we've said many times before um we didn't say this before, uh, but I think it's a good point, too, is sometimes DM burnout happens because of outside life, because life is a burnout, because 
family stuff and work stuff and whatever, COVID stuff, whatever, right? Like that can get to you. So if that's happening, we were saying the game can be escapism. Let it be. Let it be almost like a meditation, you know, kind of get lost in it. Let it be your stress reliever. Focus in on that game and put your intention there. And at least for that couple hours, maybe, you know, you won't have to worry so much about all of this other crap that's going to be there when the game's over, too. So at least try to have a little bit of time for that stress relief. All right. And for me, final thoughts, um, you know, uh, to reiterate what Tony and Dave have both said, keep an eye out for when you stop losing, when you stop getting that bounce at the end of your session, you start feeling more drained at the end of sessions. And when you start feeling like you're not enjoying the prep between sessions, that's really when burnout starting to show up. And if you recognize the signs a little early, you're going to be in better shape than if you let it go on too long, just counting on it coming back. You know, recognize you are starting to feel a bit burned out. And I would say start taking some of the steps we talked about, you know, maybe get someone else to start something up that that gives you a little bit of a break or gives you a little bit of a power cleanser. Or maybe, you know, go to, you know, you know, take a, take a session off. So you have a month between sessions or two months between sessions and just play something else to empty your head and do something else. Take, I would, I would recommend taking proactive action and trying to see if you get your inspiration back going into whenever you come back to it. See if that helps. That's a good way, I think, to try to manage burnout a little bit. Because it is one of these things where if you try to carry that weight for too long, you can wind up getting deeper into burnout, deeper into, it can kind of cause a little bit of depression and that can kill your game. It can kill, and it can end something you want to do. You can also end up, you know, we didn't get into it, but there are risks here. I mean, when you start burning out as a DM, you risk running into situations at the game where you get irritable, players get irritable, and it can actually impact the personal relationship. You know, we've talked about this a little bit before. As much as we would love to think, hey, we're all here to play a game, the truth is you can absolutely have things come up in a D&D game that impacts your real-life relationships. So you want to try to handle burnout before you get there. You know, mm -hmm. if you start feeling it, you start feeling annoyed, you start not getting inspiration, you start not getting your bounce, you start getting snappy, try to get ahead of it and address it. And that might even mean asking someone, you know, saying, hey, why don't we start starting a new game with someone else DMing for a little bit. Number two for me is, you know, as much as it sounds great, to say that this is really making sure everyone has fun is on the DM. I, and as much as it sounds great to say, look, if they're not having fun, adjust for your players, give the players what they want. I also think you need to be cognizant of the fact that there are things about the game you are there to enjoy. There are things you want to get out of it. And if you deny those things, you're going to have a bad time. And that's going to lead to more to burnout. So recognize what you want to get out of the game. And if you're someone who loves building cities and towns and building your own dungeons and your own adventures, well, make sure you can get that in and make sure you have a game that lets you express that. Because if you're not expressing that, I think you will burn out faster. So, you know, understand what you like in the game and play to that and make sure that gets served as well as what your players want. Because if you take this attitude of, OK, well, I'm just there for everyone else to have fun. In the long run, for most DMs, you're not going to have fun. That can lead to burnout. You're there for you to have fun, too. So keep that in mind, too. It doesn't mean don't care about other people. You want them to have fun, too. You want to make it all work. But it's too easy to forget that you got to have fun in the mix of everything else. So those are my real big two, you know, two, two takeaways. Try to catch it early. Try to get on top of it. Try to do things to alleviate it before it becomes a bigger issue. And two, recognize you're a player. You know, you're a player at the table, too, and understand what you need to get out of it in order for it to be fun. Because if you don't want to, if you no longer want to DM, eh, it might be the end of the campaign. You know, so you got to make sure that's there. Take care, of, take care of yourself and everyone else. Guys, thanks. Yeah, it's been a real good session, real good uh podcast i enjoyed it i feel Thanks, very man. burnt out right now 
Yeah. <laughs> Long podcast. Yeah, Canceling all, all games for the month of January. <laughs> well, if you're not going to have fun doing it, then you certainly are doing your best work. And that's, yeah. Got to have fun. You know, well, I mean, you, you want everyone to have fun, but you got to remember you're part of everyone. You're a player. Absolutely. Too. I think that's a, that's a great takeaway right there. All right. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Three Wise DMs. Once again, you can catch us on all the major podcasting platforms. And if you're listening to us there and you like what you hear, please smash that five-star rating button. That'll really help us get out there and help spread the word about Three Wise DMs. You can also catch more content on ThreeWiseDMs.com, where we have our podcast and articles every week. So really twice as much content on ThreeWiseDMs.com. Head over there, subscribe there. And if you have any questions, drop us a question in the quote, what's your problem field that we have right on the website. You can also reach us at threewisedms at gmail.com and on Facebook and Twitter where we're very active. So feel free to drop us a line, let us know what you think, and ask us any questions you'd like for us to cover. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs. Three Wise DMs.